You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 143 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. And Jay. Hello. So the reason I'm very excited tonight, gents, is because we've had a game of Age of Sigmar 3.0, and it was a whole lot of fun. Um, So uh, this week, we're keeping it a bit Age of Sigmar because we're going to be talking about the latest General's Handbook in this week's news uh, main segment. Sorry, We're also going to keep it Age of Sigmar in our top three, as we're going to be discussing our top three units we're looking forward to trying in this new edition of the game. We have also got... A little, I think we've got a little smattering of news, have we, Matt? We have, yeah. Uh, and of course, we've got um, the community top three picks towards the end of the show. But before we get stuck into all of that, let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby this week. So, Matt, do you want to start us off? So, yeah, like, well, I think last time we spoke, I had built the contents of well, the Stormcast contents of Dominion, and over the last week, I have painted them up. They, uh, I'm, I'm really happy with how they've turned out, actually, considering the time constraints. Um, I could always go back and add some more highlights and stuff. But, yeah, really, really happy with how they turned out. Um, just we had a game as well, but I think we'll talk about that after the news. It's only a little, little chunk of the show, I think. Uh, and with, with the excitement of um, Path to Glory, I've been looking through my collection, seeing, oh, what faction do I want to start my Path to Glory with? And you know what? I've got these Soulblight Grave Laws and had some fun with a few games I've had with them. So I think it, it wouldn't be right if I didn't start off the Path to Glory with the uh, the Grave Laws and get a little force together for them. So yeah, I have got base colours down on 36 zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got 10 already painted and I've got some random extra ones that I've got from spare bits, plus some ghouls I had spare from a Flesh Eater Court start collecting. So that assorted bunch of models will be my zombies. Um, so, yeah, because you need a few of them and they come in squads of 20. So, yeah, nice, nice, easy, quick scheme. Just trying to get these smashed out. I'm not going silly with like 60 man squads. So, but I've got enough to have a 40 man squad and then return zombies and stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So then the plan after that is paint up a vampire and necromancer and some fell bats. And then I've got some dire wolves on the painting queue as well, in case I take the trait that lets my vampire summon some zombies, because that was quite useful in the game that we had, uh, Dave, a few weeks ago, wasn't it? When you summon some wolves, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, wolves, sorry, yeah. So um, they, uh, they, they, the, the bats and the wolves should be able to dry brush up pretty quickly. So, yeah, I don't think it'll take long for this... Um, the Soul Blights ah. after Glory Army to be done. Do you, I reckon do I have it done by the end of the week. Do you know what I'm most looking forward to, Matt? What? A suitably vampiric name for your uh, for your lord. Yeah, well, I had I had actually found one. Uh, I'm going to hand. I'd, I'd, I'd put some thought and research into it using Hungra- Hungarian words because obviously Transylvania is in Hungary. So uh, and 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 Dracula's the Hungarian name the word for dragon. So you know you've got to put some research into these names. Excellent, excellent so, stuff. All, all shall be revealed once I've uh, once I finish the models. I'm, um, I'm looking forward to seeing zombies get experience and level up. That just seems a bit like <laughs> you can have this like super buff did, unit did of zombies. A little, a little bit more living as they yeah. level up. 
And they might be particularly dangerous zombies as opposed to elite special uh, ops I, I, zombies. I know what they are. They'll be they'll be zombies of elves, that'll explain it. This is it, yeah. All these all these dead luminous <laughs> they've been raised by my my vampire, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And your Stormcasts look fantastic, Matt. Um, if you haven't seen them yet, check out our uh, Twitter. And I think you've got some pictures of them on the website as well, Matt. Um, but, but Twitter, they're, they're definitely they all did, over uh, Twitter. They were on Warhammer uh, Hobby Roundup, weren't they, at one point? I think. Were, yeah. And, uh, and obviously the, the battle that we'll talk about in a bit, the, you can see them live in action there as well. I will be putting a post up as well uh, to, with a bit of a uh, miniature showcase this week. Maybe this weekend we'll get that up. Uh, so yeah, no, I've enjoyed painting them. I'm looking forward to painting some more. We um hopefully you go I mean, in a couple of weeks you guys should have your uh Dominion boxes too, and then I'm looking forward to seeing what you do. Uh, I know you've got Celestial Vindicators, Dave, and you're undecided on a storm host, aren't you, Jay? Yeah, I um I, I do like the um I think they're called the Hallowed Knights. I think it's the silver and blue. I do like that colour scheme. But then I do like the gold as well. Um so yeah, I, I am undecided on yet. I think I think maybe silver might look quite cool, like a really battered silver. Yeah, mm. that sounds good. Excellent stuff. Uh, Jay, what have you been up to this week in the hobby? Uh, I'll, I'll I'll let you have one guess, Dave. Luminef, Jay. Uh, yes, I've been painting Luminef. <laughs> so I've um, I've made a start on the um, Luminor Shrine Luminor. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I um, it's it's a really nice model to paint actually. I've, I'm, I'm trying to. There's obviously a lot of masonry and things and ruins on all of the different Luminef bases, um, and I'm trying to paint them in the same sort of style. Um, and I was a bit worried about how it would turn out on the big archway, but actually I'm really impressed with it. It looks really, really nice. Um, so hopefully this should be finished this week. Um, and then I have been building um, all of my um, army ready for the Path to Glory. So I've got a unit of 10 Sentinels in front of me, all based and um, sprayed and are ready to go and a unit of 10 um, blade lords as well um, all undercoated and ready to go as well um, and I've made a start on my lord regent who's going to be I was a bit undecided about who my general should be in the path to glory whether it would be the law seeker a mage or the lord regent I decided on the lord regent and then I'm going to have stories of like the um, how the other sort of characters come into the into the army. So, for example, um, the, uh, the 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 stone mages will will send a delegation of stone guard and a stone mage to sort of pacify a mountain in Gur around my fortress. Yeah. Um, the law seeker really cool. might sort of attach yeah attach herself to to my my army on on a quest for some um, uh, artifact. Uh, so I thought yeah, let's stick with Lord Regent because that will be like the central sort of character for me for my army then. Um, so yeah, so so I'm currently working on the mounts, painting them. The um, I can't remember what they're called, light courses, aren't they? That's what they're called, like the cool little um, sort of half horse, half deer type Luminef mount. So hopefully he'll be done this week as well. It's a really nice model. Uh, and then I have also been thinking, well, as well as the elves, I'm going to get the dwarfs marching to war. So I've got a nice yeah. dispossessed army upstairs. Um, there's probably about fifteen, sixteen hundred points in it. In the, I know the points have come down a lot. It used to be a 2,000-point army, but I don't think it is anymore. Um, so I might add a few more dwarfs to that at some point as well. Uh, because I was looking through the War Scrolls, and I believe Iron Drakes are probably going to be absolutely amazing in a new edition. <laughs> oh, yeah. Iron Drakes will be really good. And you know what, Jay? Uh, obviously, it'll be City of Sigma, won't it? You'll be able yeah. to put some Stormcast in there as well. Ah, uh, yeah. Ah, good call. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, you're right. One in, one in three units can be Stormcast without affecting your allegiance ability. 
yeah, you're right there. Yeah, no, that gives me some options then, doesn't it, for the uh, for the army? Mm. Excellent stuff. Yeah, looking forward to seeing the, the dwarves and the elves on Battlefield. Um, this week for me has mainly been. I've done quite a bit of painting this week. I had hoped to have the Cruel Boys half of Dominion completely finished. I I didn't really get um super close to that, but I have I have got quite a bit of painting done. Um, I got the 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 killer boss on Nashtooth. He's nearly finished. Uh, as is my unit of gut rippers. Um, probably slightly further down the completion scale, we've got the Hobgrots, we've got the Merc Knob, we've got the Shaman, um, and then I've, I've got quite a bit of work to yet on the Pot Grot and the um, do 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 Killer Boss on foot with uh, with Stab Grot, who we'll will mention later on in the show. He's actually on my painting handle, um, so he's gonna get some some love probably tonight and tomorrow night. Uh, really looking forward to painting him. But they are such a fun range of Oryx to paint. Like, really enjoyed them. Um, I actually think I enjoyed painting these guys more than I did the Iron Jaws. All right, cool. Um, I think there's a few more sort of, sort of like, um, uh, bits of detail on them. And also, I think I prefer the green that I'm using compared to when I did the Iron Jaws as well. So I think that always kind of helps what are you uh, using for them because obviously we, we we haven't had access to the new paints yet so what have you used for uh, painting these up so I, I sprayed them all grace here and then i used militarum green for the skin um it, it's mainly contrast so snake bite leather for, there's a lot of leather parts on them um i've used uh darko flesh for nash tooth which i think worked really really well i uh, used quite a bit of gulliman flesh i've used some wildwood so yeah, a lot of contrast, and they've obviously I've, I've used lead belt for a few other kind of staple Citadel stuff. Uh, and then once I've got them all to that kind of standard, I want to try my hand at um, doing some highlighting and stuff and um, making them really stand out because yeah, I really like them. Uh, and we'll talk about the battle later, and it only kind of reinforced how much I'm looking forward to using them. Uh, aside from that, I've not really I've been building some guardsmen. Um, well, only really today on my dinner. Um, I was building some 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 Cadian because uh, I fancied building something. Um, I've done a test model for my Cadian scheme as well for when I've got my AOS sort of stuff out of the way. Um, I'm I'm kind of torn what to do is my major path to glory uh, at the moment. So I haven't really played around with lists and ideas for that. I was I was going to use my Oryx, but they they're already kind of they're going to be finished. I kind of want to be painting something as we're doing Path to Glory. So there's a couple of things. Um, I've obviously Skaven. got my Skaven. I've obviously got my Skaven. The thing that's putting me off my Skaven for Path to Glory, uh, and I don't know if you guys agree, it's just in a month. It, it could take me a month to paint 40 clan rats. Okay. And I don't but know if that's very exciting. In Path to Glory, you, there's no battle line requirements. So you just paint whatever, 600 points of whatever core Skaven you want. I suppose that's 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 true. I, I just feel it might take me a while to get them painted. But you're right, actually. Um, yeah, Skaven might be the, be the ones. But I have also got some ogres, and I've also got my bone reapers as well. So there's plenty I could um, paint for it. I'll, I'll probably make a decision by the weekend. But I want to get the um, the cruel boys finished before this weekend, so they can take part in the the miniature showcase as well over on the website, and um, so people can check those out. Um, but yeah, quite a busy week for me, painting-wise. <laughs> yeah, that's, awesome. uh, that's good going. Yeah, yeah, really enjoyed them. 
So that brings us to the end uh, of the intro to this week's episode. We've got quite a bit to get through, so we're going to take a pause and come back with the news. So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? Well, obviously, it was always going to be a quiet week because Dominion's a two-week pre-order. On the subject of Dominion, how do you guys think GW have got on with that? Because obviously last year with Indomitus, there was a lot of disappointed people who initially didn't manage to get one and you know later on they put a made to order in and you know resolve some of the issues there but i think a lot of people were very very worried that dominion was going to disappear be in the hands of scalpers and, and people wouldn't be able to get it so they, they introduced a queuing system where if you were on the games watch your website before 10 you were randomly put into a queue and then you queued up waited your turn and could pre-order your stuff and as of recording this i believe everything is in stock apart from the combat gauge. Now, that includes the, the limited edition Super Shiny uh, rulebook as well. Um, so, now, this could mean that it's not been popular and people haven't pre-ordered it, or that they've actually upped the numbers massively compared to Indomitus and everybody can get hold of one. Either way, that's really good news, because if you wanted a copy of Dominion, you can get one. Um, I mean, I, I managed to get the stuff for us, no issue, um what, what are your thoughts on, on this you know compared to the madness that we had last year i'm very happy that yeah that, that everybody's been able to pick up their copy there's not been any sort of rage against gw this week and how they've not made enough and they don't care about the fan base i've never believed that that's that's been the case and i know that, yeah we had all that we about indomitus but I, I do generally feel like they did want to fulfil all the orders. And... Well, well, if you, you got to think about it, what, what, what would be the benefit of GW not being able to sell more exactly. copies of something? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You don't want people to miss out. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm very pleased that there's been none of that this week. That, that we, it, Because it means people are talking positively about the new edition of the game and there's no kind of underlying ill feeling. Yeah. yeah. Like, like Curse City, I remember. They, 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 they've yeah. done well to sort of you know, redeem themselves after the Curse City um, issues they had. Yeah. You know what? I think I think this is a big moment for Age of Sigmar because, you know, it has kind of been the red-headed, the red-headed stepchild of the uh, Warhammer family, hasn't it? You know, for a lot of people who were super into fantasy and felt it was a bit of a betrayal. And I think a lot of people still haven't got over that, yeah. despite how good the game is. Um, so, yeah, it's... The good thing with it is, what, for 125 quid, you can get the full the full hardback rulebook plus two full armies. You compare that to Soul Wars, which was a really, really good box, but there was a couple of issues with it, such as uh, units not being legal. You, you couldn't really use the armies out the box without adding some additional stuff to them, could you? No. Um, and the, the numbers have been, they've been worked out so that if you added one of maybe the, the smaller starter boxes to it, you could get everything, but that's again kind of takes away of the the kind of point of it being an entry point into the game. So yeah, I'm I was I was super happy that we managed to get everything that we wanted and, and people can do it. So yeah, no no complaints for me on that one. Yeah. Now we do have a couple of things up for pre-order this week. Not many, but a couple. Blood Bowl. We've got some classic teams coming back made to order. So if you're a fan of the High Elves. Uh, more precisely, high elves from like the mid 90s, I think. Uh, those classic high elves are for made to order, as are the classic vampire counts. Now, 
don't get me wrong, I quite like Made to Orders being done for, you know, nostalgia purposes, but I don't know if those Made to Order classic teams really cut it anymore compared to the rest of the Blood Bowl range. No chance, not at all. Um, I mean, like you say, the nostalgia feeling of collecting those old metal models, but the new Blood Bowl stuff is so nice. I mean, some of the Blood Bowl models are nicer than the actual... Look at the Seraphon, the Lizardman team, for example. Yeah, exactly. Nicer than the regular troops for the Seraphon army. Um, yeah, it's, it's surely only going to appeal to a small number of um, like collectors, I think, rather than people who are interested in building and using those armies, those uh, teams. You know, which, which is good. You know, they, they are catering to the, the kind of hardcore collectors. And there's some people who, who do want this stuff and they go for quite a bit on ebay don't they these kind of things so yeah that's uh, i like it i just don't know if these two teams have quite the the pull Feel. of stuff like chaos dwarves and stuff like that that's really kind of obscuring out there so so yeah that's that's, that's, that's all the games workshop stuff we have got pre-order for necromunda on friday i imagine though and i am really excited for this one now, we've seen a few of the, I think we mentioned it a couple of times in the past few kind of Necromunda episodes, um, where all of the House of Books have like affiliate guilds that you can pledge your allegiance to and they can help out your gang. And uh, one of them from House of Blades, I want to say, is the Water Guild. So these are the guys who process and sell water on Necromunda and the the models look amazing they've got a bit of a bioshock vibe to them with like the big daddy and then we've got the kind of uh the water guild delegates we've seen one of them before as a bounty hunter but yes. uh, this set of three models is so so nice i really love that little scribe sort of goblin thing <laughs> like hunched over with, with the book on his back oh no, no sorry, that's 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 the uh that's 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 something that we're talking about in a little bit oh this is, sorry uh, the, the water guild with the uh the, like the big daddy and the two the two oh, right. guys with the tanks on the back and uh yeah they extract water out of things that have water you know like the human body and then sell it to the highest bidder on necromunda so these are similar to the the slaver guild that uh, we saw in house of forget which one the uh, the slavers who, who basically run the like fighting pits and and send all the ogrins to to do labor so yeah really excited for these i don't know how much they'll be um but um yeah four twelve models i'm guessing maybe 60 quid for the set of three um which is a bit on the pricey side but they are really nice models talking of necromunda though we also saw something else today that that, that jay you just mentioned uh, if you're a fan of the redeemer comics which i was a huge fan of in the uh, the warhammer monthly comic series and the redeemer was a redemptionist who went round he had a book in which he recorded all the torturous acts that he's done to people in order to inspire them not to do terrible things anymore and then if they refused to uh, decline he would normally murder them or set them on fire and there's a new model to represent him and his uh, his sidekick uh, malachi and yeah, so in the the old version of this model, Malachi was like a hunched kind of like he's basically a priest who runs around and and writes down all the stuff that uh, that that Clovis has done. But uh, in this new kind of incarnation of him, I think just his head has remained, and the rest of him is all augmatic with different books <laughs> and scrolls and quills and stuff. Really <laughs> freaky looking, isn't he? It is cool. Yeah. Uh, considering he was he was a priest at some point, a deacon, sorry, and um. And yet, Clovis the Redeemer, in true style, um, 
iconic kind of Necromunda thing and, and obviously really fits in with the redemptionists that they've just brought out. Um, I haven't managed to, I've seen with all the uh, Dominion love, I haven't managed to have a look at House of Faith yet. I do know that you don't have to pay for the Redeemer to be in your gang, though. Based on your rating and the lower, the better. He can come and aid you. But as it always is with Necromunda, there's probably some downsides to having a <laughs> maniacal mass murdering psychopath join your ranks. <laughs> so, yeah, really excited to see to see him because uh, I was a big fan of the comics and uh, obviously they're a big vibe into creating the, the Redemptionist gang. We also have a bit more news on Wednesday at six o'clock. We have got the full unveiling of Warhammer Plus. Now, they've been very coy about this. There's there's cool stuff coming, but we don't know what it is. Presumably, we're going to see um, what what is going to be there day one. I've got a feeling they're going to drop this content weekly to encourage you to stay subscribed for, you know, at least a month or two to see all the content. Now, we're probably going to see a price as well. And this is going to be the interesting point, because if there's no way they can charge anywhere near any other subscription service if they've got a what, dozen different shows to start with. It's, it's it's just not realistic. They have heavily implied that there's lots of other bonuses for being a subscriber. No idea. We could speculate all day on these, you know, free Black Library stuff, free shipping, some kind of bonus models, White Dwarf subscription, app subscription. Who knows? All, some, none. I don't know. What what are your initial gut feelings, guys? My my gut feelings actually, there's twofold. I definitely think we're going to see some Black Library content. Um, I could definitely see them doing something akin to Audible, but just through Warhammer Plus. Um, and I think Jay, I think it might have been you or it could have been Matt mentioned something like Amazon Prime, um, but for um, Warhammer, you know, maybe getting hands on exclusive releases. I think that's definitely going to play a part. Yeah, for free delivery, fast delivery. You know, it's, it's 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 telling that it's gone from, you know, Warhammer Story Forge to Warhammer Plus. Yeah. So I do think there's going to be a store element to it. And, you know, if there's exclusive, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if all the app based stuff gets folded into it. If it uses your My Warhammer account. Mm. Um, we'll get, I guess the rest we'll find out on Wednesday. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get to have a play with it at some point soon. Um you know potentially they could go here's all the cool stuff it's out today on wednesday it'd be interesting to know when apple and android app releases are because there are specific days when they get rolled out isn't there is that wednesday who knows yeah i think it is wednesday actually yeah i've got a feeling that the um the the warhammer 40k app was on on a wednesday so we'll see we'll find out um i'm intrigued i've definitely got a uh, open mind on it I, i do think if they try to charge a two you know over the top price for it that might turn some people off unless there's some mega awesome you know physical bonuses with it i um i'm looking forward to the animation side of things um like anyway regardless of what else comes i really want to watch some of these things have been waiting ages to see like um exodai and um, angels of death and things like that so it's going to be really cool to actually be able to start watching all that stuff at some point in the, you know it's actually happening it just seems like it's we've been yeah. been told about this for so long now I suppose um, the million dollar question would be how much is too much for, for just that content? Because I think a five a, yeah. a month would turn people off, wouldn't it? I'd like to see like a subscription to the rules, you know, like, you know, access to 
General's Handbook without having to purchase it mm, whilst you've got a good. sort of subscription. Um, battle tomes and codexes and things. Um, yeah, I don't know what else they're going to be able to do. Like you say, people have got Amazon and Netflix subscriptions. Yeah, you can't really justify that sort of price based on what we know is coming. Mm-hmm. Included next day delivery be good enough. They've got this new warehouse as well. Yeah. You know, free upgrades to um, who do they use? UPS delivery or something. I guess that's it because I mean, on uh, if you print it from Gaze Workshop, we generally, at least in the UK, we don't tend to get it until the Monday after release rather than that Saturday. They've changed it now that you do, do normally get stuff on the Saturday it comes out. Oh, okay. GW and that has been for a long time but people have, have often not done it because they think they're going to get it later I think that's been in place for a while now getting your hands on stuff earlier would be cool but we had a bit of a discussion on this and that <laughs> that could have an unintended effect as well where people get a bit disgruntled that they feel second class if they don't subscribe yeah yeah it's going to be very interesting I'm, I'm looking forward to the stream I'm definitely going to be catching that yeah so yeah, that is that is the news. So even though even though we've you know we've got another couple of weeks till Dominion, there's, there's some tasty stuff. Excellent stuff. Uh, we're going to take a slight pause, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the battle that me and Matt had at the weekend. So keep listening. So last Saturday, live on YouTube and Twitch, myself and Matt took battle in our first. Age of Sigmar 3rd edition game. It was the Stormcast Eternals versus the Cruel Boys using the contents of Dominion, although I did throw in a few extra bits just to push the points uh, to the same as Matt. And um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, take it away, Matt. Yeah, so so obviously a lot of other channels are focused on the match play side of things. And we very much wanted to focus on the um, Path to Glory because we'd done the same with 40k. Uh, and our most popular videos had really been the uh, the Crusade stuff. So, yeah, we wanted to see what match play was like, because I don't think it's been given much coverage, really, has it? Now, no. obviously, it's a, it's a little bit different, because the idea of Path of Glory really wouldn't... Though the rules do let you start with a big army, I think the idea is you start with a little force, and you start building up to it, and then you've basically got a collection of miniatures in your path to glory roster that you can draw from to make your your armies so we were kind of like jumping in at a higher points level again just so we could really use all the all the models out of the box uh, and we played one of the missions sudden assault now one thing i will say about the path to glory missions a lot of them majority of them don't really have objectives there's different win conditions and it kind of uh Kind of reminded me of some of the old scenarios that we've played in in previous ones. You know, 40k is very focused on just those objectives now, isn't it? And as we'll see in the General's Handbook, the match play side of AOS is as well. So it's nice that we've got a mix between different style games. Because in Path of Law, you can mix and match them, which is really cool. Uh, The mission we were playing was Sudden Assault, which is a really kind of simple but quite good win condition. Where basically you got victory points for each quarter of the table that you uh, had more models than, than the other person. And we got through about three or four turns, and we were pretty much neck and neck each turn, weren't we, Dave? We were, we were. And interestingly, um, obviously different to how objectives work in Age, uh, Age Sigma, is you had to keep those models in those uh, zones. Yeah, yeah so you, you had a kind of interesting dynamic them, yeah. of, 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 of knowing when to push back and forth with your battle lines. So I had a... I had my um, 
Knight Encanter, who she couldn't really come out because I needed her in my quarter just to claim the objective with her loyal bodyguard kind of edging in front of her saying, well, do we make a push? Do we make a push? And eventually they just legged it towards your lines, didn't they? But they I couldn't did. really afford to leave her just there because then you just shoot her with your um, bolt boys, whatever they're called. <laughs> Who just want to stand there uh, and use their better shooting profiles. So uh, I was pretty lucky in that regard that I had a unit that I could kind of keep in my zone uh, backed up with the shaman um just peppering shots out uh which was which was a lot of fun so how did you how did you find the game obviously there was a lot of new mechanics and i will say that we, we probably got a couple of things wrong and yeah. to be fair i think we picked up most things mid-game and we got in the flow of when to use the command abilities and the heroic abilities and for me that was really the kind of biggest difference and also the most exciting thing about the game the heroic actions and the new command abilities i don't know what you thought dave uh, exactly the same, Matt. So the only thing that we didn't get to try out was the the monstrous rules, but we 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 had plenty of opportunities to use the heroic actions. It's cool how you don't have to just use it on one hero. You you, you know you've you've got you can use them on your full selection of heroes. You just pick one. I, I like how it's every hero phase as well. So you're always taking part in the battle. So you know I I really like that. You can sort of heal up. You can um you can try and gain command points you can give yourself a, a buff for the next round of combat um i thought that was really good the command points what i found really interesting about the command points is in particular if you go in second because you find out your command points at the beginning of the battle round you're like how much do i save for my turn like at some stages i think i might have gone i might have used too many in your turn matt and not yeah. saved enough for my turn. Like, for example, I think after the game and we were kind of looking back at it, there was a moment where you charged my Bolt Boys and you were like, I'm surprised you didn't... Um, uh, what's the... Is it Redeploy? Where you can... Mm, you make can a move. move D6. I'd run out of command points at that point. I didn't have any left. Uh, I think at the part, I think my, my last turn there, I think I think both of us really had no command points. It was just... Um, just normal combat, just War Scrolls versus War Scrolls. It is very easy to rinse through those command points in the new edition because there's so much yeah. cool stuff. Like I, did I manage to bring back um, a couple of models using the Rally command ability on some Stormcast? I can't remember. Oh, uh, maybe actually. I think I, I think did. You did. I think you comboed that with uh, Ingester. Ingester. Yeah. Generally. To kind of double down on on the healing mechanic, and then again. Because the uh, Annihilator at a range, I then use the banner to get that unit up again. And there's lots of interesting things you can combo. The Annihilator is another good example with that um, command ability you've just mentioned, redeploy, by bringing him closer to my lines to mean that you couldn't take out that one guy with one wound in your turn to mm. buy myself enough time to heal him up, then reinforce the unit. And yeah. I mean, Drast is amazing. She, she returns a model to each Stormcast unit within 12 inches. But then when you've got the ways of healing units anyway as a command ability, and then my banner could heal as well. I was just talking before the show, Emerald Life Swarm can heal up units as well. Uh, it's, it's so many ways of keeping your army alive. It felt like I was playing a Legion of Death army, not flipping Stormcast Eternals, but it was really Which cool. is strangely I mean, fitting, though, because technically yeah, they're soulless reanimated corpses, really, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Uh, you mentioned about uh, Indrasta. That that twelve inch aura. You, you look. You might because uh, I know she's been. There's a few people have been a bit critical of her, but based on the point her points cost. 
But it's not just one unit. You're not picking one unit within 12 inches. It's every unit within 12 inches is bringing back a model. That's so good. I mean, she's she's well worth the points cost, I think. Yeah, I think a lot of people will look at a combat stat line without seeing how it combos with the rest of the game. And a lot of the initial views without keeping all this new stuff in mind. I mean, what our most used um, heroic action was, oh, what's it called? Heroic recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that is that is so good, gonna you know for keeping your characters topped up to the point where currently it, it's worth putting a few more wounds here or there on a character because you slowly grind them down. Where now actually is it worth doing that because your opponent can just heal it up, and this is every hero phase as well, so they can do it in yours. Mm. Now obviously you can use that as a way of forcing them to heal up rather than use their finest hour, which is arguably the strongest of those heroic actions. <laughs> Unless you're a pot grot or whoever, was it the stab grot? Who, who, uh, who, no, it was who, the merc, but the banner won it. He didn't do oh, anything. Oh, the banner. Yeah. So, but, but in, on, on paper, um, plus, plus one to wound and plus one to save is such a strong ability on a big choppy combat character, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It, it really um, is. But, you can only use it once per game per character, so it's knowing at what point, thinking like a turn in advance sometimes, if you're going second, at what point you uh, you put that on them. Because if there's an important fight, say if it's my turn, Dave, and there's an important fight going up, and then in your hero phase you actually declare their finest hour on the, the target I'm headed towards, that might affect my battle plan, because yeah. maybe I don't like those odds of going against your character then with that buff on them. No, no. Not at all. Um, I mean, this is this is all bearing in mind that the we were using basically the contents of Dominion. I, I did have a unit of five hard boys and, and gold grunters, but that was purely to take my points up to the same as yours. So you got to use all your new toys, uh, and I got to use all of um, Dominion. All our war scrolls didn't include their own their own command abilities. Imagine what it's going to be like when you've you've suddenly got this raft of command abilities in your battle tome. You, it's gonna it's it's taking age of sigma really up a level when it comes to strategy i, I find yeah and it, one one thing i was conscious of it, it's no secret we're going to get a stormcast and an Uruk war clans book not long after this comes out are we you know for for indomitus it was a couple of months but in the grand scheme of things it's not going to be too long so i didn't really want us to use old stuff for them when it's going to get invalidated soon now on top of all of this stuff that we were playing with you're going to have your sub-faction rules. You're going to have spells, artifacts. I mean, we didn't use too many of the new spells and artifacts, but what we did, obviously from the core ones in the book, again, were really, really good, weren't they? Well, I used the uh, Vial of Venom, which was plus one to wound on uh, one particular um, bearer's melee weapon. That's, <laughs> that's really good. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, there's a spell for plus one damage. There's loads of cool stuff. We also tried out the core battalions as well. Uh, I think we both had a warlord battalion, which gave you a extra enhancement, which was cool. But what was also really useful is once per game, you can get an extra command point at the start of your hero phase. Mm-hmm. And that, again, is another one where, OK, this is a turn where I'm going to be wanting to use a lot. Let's use that and... You know, it's kind of a, a meta game in itself, deciding when to use all these abilities. And I think yeah. once people have played some games, even though that seems the go-to one on paper, I think people will start gravitating towards the other ones. The Grand Battery, for example, lets you use the um, Unleash, oh, Hell. Unleash Hell, 
without it counting as a uh, command being used, which means you can still use it on a different unit. I mean, with the Luma, I mean, we were talking about some of the abilities in the Luminous book earlier, Jay, where you can do similar kind of stuff that I think will be worded like that for the purposes of FAQs. Being able to overwatch, for want of a better word, with multiple units could absolutely change a game, couldn't it? Even if it's once per game. That's it, at, at that right moment, yeah. So, yeah, and obviously, like you say, this is just with the contents and, and no monsters. I'm super hyped to play some more games. Yeah, I, I, had, um, I had some concerns that there would be a lot of admin, a lot of things to remember, who's used what command abilities, what command abilities you can use in different phases. Um, but after watching you guys play, it, it, that, that wasn't an issue. I, I, I felt it sort of flowed naturally. And um, yeah. it, it was much it was really cool to see. Rather than you just standing back and watching the enemy just stomp all over your um, your army, you've actually got opportunities to react in their turn, redeploying units, overwatching, using all-out defense at key moments to really like hinder their their plans. It makes for a much more uh, dynamic game, I think, an involved game. Yeah, I found I found the units seeming to last longer as well. I mean, I was playing Stormcast. I had like three up save on both my units, but even the the orcs, that all-out defense just can buy you enough time to get your other pieces into position to counterattack. And that has been something I've, like, one of my criticisms of Age of Sigmar is that units seem to be, you know, you touch a unit, they're dead. You touch another unit, they're dead. Whereas, yeah, whereas in the old fantasy, you used to have combats that went on for a couple of turns and units that would hold the flank for you. You definitely get that feeling again now. Yeah, you know... No, obviously this is a different type of mission, but imagine if we had this kind of game with a with a normal mission with objective markers, in even a scrappy fight going back and forth, pulling off that um that revive command ability and getting a, a single model back that's enough to tip the balance to put the objective in your favour will make for some really exciting fights, won't it? Yeah, definitely. So it's such a good new um such good new mechanics. I I really enjoyed it. I, I, like you, Jay, I think I was a little bit worried that there was going to be quite a lot to remember. Um, but once we'd had a couple of turns, it, it just became almost second nature, um, mm. doing the heroic actions and then, you know, you're generating your command points and stuff. Um, and let's not forget as well, we got to use these shiny new units from the Dominion box. I mean, I was really impressed with your Annihilators, Matt. Um, I thought they were really cool. I thought even just your standard troops... Yeah, Vindictors uh, were really good. Yeah, yeah, they had. I didn't realize they had a similar rule to the, the Cruel Boys Allegiance ability in that sixes to hit were just a mortal wound, like the attack sequence ends, which was really good. Um, speaking of which, I, I I actually pulled off a few of those um, sixes to wound, um, doing the same as my damage with my Cruel Boys. I think my Bolt Boys killed two Vindictors outright, didn't they? Because they did, do yeah. quite two damage, which was um, really powerful. You know getting those sixes and there's ways to get them to to fives uh my killer boss on nash tooth whiffed a bit in the first couple of turns but i think he uh, recovered quite well later on in the game yeah so i mean that's an example of the new stormcast allegiance ability and again all these allegiance abilities i think get fleshed out when the when the battle tomes come out but i really like the stormcast one so you you roll a number of dice equal to the wounds and then roll an additional dice if they're wearing uh, Thunderstrike armor, which means you invictors roll three dice. When they die, 
you pick a unit within an inch, you roll that many dice, and for each six plus it does a mortal wound. I mean, I think the the dead Vindictors managed to kill your warlord with lightning surging out of their bodies. They, they finished him off. Uh, when I, I finished that's the cool unit. as well, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's kind of the lightning erupting out of them and returning to his ear, taking out some guys as they pass. So it's cool. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. And so, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to try the monsters. I mean, we've got our top three uh, coming up shortly. Spoiler alert, mine might contain some monsters. Yeah, I think mine are um, monsters too. Yeah, because I, I'm really looking forward to um, using some of those monstrous, um, monstrous abilities. And yeah, it's just uh, really, well, it was a really fun game. The monsters mix things up even more. I mean, we, we you were using um, finest hour, all out defense, all out attack a lot during that game. But a monster can switch that off with its um, is it ferocious roar or monstrous yeah. roar? Um, so yeah. being able to stop an opponent from using one of those command abilities in a key fight as well is that's just another tool in your sort of tool belt. Um, and I think there's going to be tons of cool mechanics that interact with the way you use and generate command points. I know the Luminef have got a few um, tricks where they can double the cost of command abilities for a turn and things like this. Um, it, that I mean, command points are already a sort of um, important resource in Age of Sigmar 2, but in Age of Sigmar 3, the fact you generate them at the beginning of your turn, you, like Dave says, you've got to make them last your turn and your opponent's turn. And then to have, uh, you know, you, you've saved that command point for that last fight and then a monster comes in and stops you from being able to use it. That's critical. That's really, really good. Yeah. I mean, monsters in the past, I think a lot of, you know, we're not pro tournament players, but I think a lot of people at events tend to shy away from them because they only count as one model for objectives. And a lot of them didn't really bring a lot to the table. And now I think we'll see an awful lot of monsters. And more so when we come into the General's Handbook as well. I think they will be flavour of the month, which is good because, you know, it's cool seeing big stompy monsters fighting over the battlefield, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. So, no, so we really enjoyed that. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to us starting our path to glory proper. Can't wait. We do have another Age of Sigma segment coming up. There's quite a few of these past couple of weeks. We're going to be chatting about the General's Handbook, and that's coming up next. So you've got a Sharon new book in your hands, Matt. Yeah. So, yeah, massive thanks to Games Workshop. He sent us a copy of General's Handbook uh, 2021 for us to have a have a look at. And, um, yeah, you know, it, General's Handbook we've had every year for, for a couple of years now. It was very much the turning point of Age of Sigma, wasn't it? It kind of gave it proper missions and made it into a into a more fun game. And they've, they've brought these out every year. Now, this year's General Handbook is no different. Essentially, it does the same job, but they've done a few a few differences to it. First of all, in the path was always a uh, like a collector's edition General's Handbook that came with a load of cards and tokens. And we'll get to it in a bit, but the the standard version of this has replicated this pretty well. The the package you do is included with a kind of a card punch out. Uh, sheet you get 10 objective markers on there which have like a circle on one side and a star on the other side that you can use to flip over to show who's got control of an objective which is really simple but actually really handy thing because we've used like dice and things to indicate who's got an objective before being able to just flip over this token to show which side's got it is a really good idea you also get a sheet of battle tactics that you can punch out and put on the board to remind yourself which battle tactics you do in that turn which is an element of a match play game. Now you get a kind of small, how many pages is this? 34 page uh, kind of booklet 
with the updated points costs of everything. Everything kind of exclamation mark doesn't include any Forge World points in here, which is a bit of a worry, maybe. Uh, that was my initial uh, feeling was, does that mean they're going or do, will that be available as a download at some point? Well, see, a lot of them have already gone. The Chaos Dwarves no longer available. Tamerkin's Horde is no longer available. A lot of the old monsters are long gone. Um, I, I, outside of the Exalted Greater Demons and um, uh, Vorgarath, maybe the giant squig i don't think there's many models that forge world actually still sell i, I believe the uh dread saurian's gone as well as of last count so it is a shame i do hope they put something out to let you use them um because obviously you know people who've done forge world based armies have spent quite a bit of money on them as well but you know yeah. it, it's something we saw in 40k and i think it's just one of those things where for forge world models you really need to see them as a as a as a collect a collector's piece to paint up and display rather than banking on it being something that you can use in your games, yeah, which man. is a shame. It is a shame, but um, it's that's just one of the things. So this only contains Citadel miniatures in the book. They it's got the same format. Obviously, we saw in the review last week that the way you build armies has changed. There's no minimum maximum anymore. Everything's just got a points value. If it's not battle line, you can reinforce it once. If it is battle line, you can reinforce it twice. Anything with the single note, you can't reinforce at all. I do think that makes uh, list building easier. Um, obviously, points are in increments of five now as well, so there's a little bit more flexibility. Everything else that we've had before is the same. You've got battlefield role, so battle line, artillery, behemoth, leader. Some things have got multiple things. It spells out in the front of this book, if something has got the uh, behemoth keyword and the battle line keyword you ignore the behemoth element and it just counts as battle line which has been faq'd in some books but it's good that this now has it for every faction so yeah. you know it, it has it has caused a few kind of grumblings in the past doesn't it because generally speaking you can't fit more than four in an army anyway but stuff like beast claw raiders i think i think it may have been faq'd for them but them and certainly cities of sigma with the steam tanks there are ways of having lots of uh behemoths in your army isn't there yes so it's good that it's kind of clarified in the core rules that it, essentially it becomes battle line and that takes precedence. So that's cool. Um, faction wise, the allies and stuff are all spelt out with some kind of clear bits. The chaos armies can't to so the god specific chaos armies can't ally in any slaves to darkness units that um, can pick a god. And that's a way of meaning that you can't ally in rival gods and you couldn't take a corn army and ally in a corn uh, uh, war shrine. What you should be doing is taking that as part of your army. So I think it's just a way of making sure there's no way of gaming around any faction rules. So everything's all spelled out and it's it's super clear to follow. So really, really good. I won't go too much into the points changes. Most of you are probably seeing this online. I think across the board, points have gone up. I think the uh, off the top of my head, Slanesh has been hit the hardest. Some armies have gone off a little bit lighter. Lumineth, less drastic points increases than we feared, Jay. Uh, yeah, I was quite happy with the Lumineth stuff. I mean, even Teclis, who went up the most, is still quite reasonably priced for what he brings to third edition. 
Um, and the way they've changed core battalions, I think actually it's probably easy to fit in lists now with the, the core battalion changes. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the one everyone was looking at was Sentinels, I think, on the Luminef point of view. And um, they went up 10 points, which is great, really, for people who like using Sentinels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe not so great for everyone facing Sentinels. No. And there's some odd ones, like some of the, the Gloom Spike Gits uh, basic infantry have gone up a lot of points. Uh, but what I would say is just play some games first because effectiveness of units as we found in our game dave is very different so your heroes will be more points because they are so good as will monsters um yeah. you know there's a lot of there's a lot of things in the the the, the, mission, the battle mission packs and battle plans about uh having even your battle line units being really important so yeah don't write something off just because it's gone up in points have a few games with it first now, the, the pitched battle profiles is only one part of the General's Handbook, and it's what people tend to gravitate towards, but I think there's so much more in this book. First thing I need to shout out, it's got a full, fully hardback now. It's not paper bait, paperback anymore like the old ones. It's also fully spiral-bound, so you can open it up to any page flat, which, again, yeah. is really good if you're playing the game. It is split down. There's page dividers, so you can easily flick to a section, so... Think think like a file of facts. You've got proper page dividers down the side. Yeah. So it's been, yeah, really, really good. Really nice presentation. Now, opening up, we get a bit of a, a preamble telling us what it is. And that from this year, they're introducing seasonal realm rules. So one thing that isn't in the core rule book is realm rules. And that's because every year they introduce a new realm in line with the ongoing Age of Sigma story. So this year we're in GER. All the all the games in tournaments, and remember this is based at match play tournaments, are set in GER, and the rules pack represents games set in GER. Oh, I yes. think we'll see something similar with the um, with the Path to Glory stuff. I, I imagine for simplicity they'll have an overlap with the realms there, yeah. uh, but it means that you've not got the situation of, you know, we, we'd always roll for a realm and then it, it would forget half the stuff by having every game in that year set in the realm you kind of learn the different abilities and stuff and it certainly makes it easier from a point of view at a tournament doesn't it, it does. yeah it also does. means that you might get some variety in armies from year to year as they take exactly yeah exactly, yeah, the... exactly. so obviously so Ger is very monster based and that fits the, the the current narrative we then get a nice little kind of spread giving you some lore about the realm of beasts and some new stuff and, and, and learning about the various places in it. So considering this is a match play book, you also do get some nice narrative fluff in there to frame your battles. Going into the, the battle pack it is different than the battle pack in the core book, which we said during the review is an example battle pack. This is the what games we should be using for their 2021 events now. Obviously, due to the current glo- uh, global pandemic, we don't even know if there's going to be a grand tournament 2021. I think the US have got some events booked in, but I know a lot of people, when they're playing games at home, will use this as the basis of the games that they play, and that's you know absolutely fine. There are 12 missions, and each of the missions are compatible at 1,000 points and 2,000 points. Interestingly, all these games take place on a 44 by 60 table, which is the, the, the area of space we were using, Dave, in the battle we had the other day. So it's it's just under four foot by five foot is the playing surface. So it's interesting that there's no there's no smaller kind of uh, battlefield there. For those smaller games, you really want to use uh, Path to Glory. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it spells out all the, 
the, the number of terrain features you need to have, your, your caps of your units, all that kind of stuff. Um, one thing the rule pack introduces is coalition units. So these are units that do not count towards your number of battle line, but do count towards leader, behemoth and artillery. And it gives some examples. So if you had some chaos knights with the mark of corn in a corn army, they count as coalition units. So you can't use them to fulfill battle line requirements, because even though technically they're part of your faction, they're not from your battle tome. The same yeah. applies to Stormcast being taken in the Cities of Sigmar army. And again, that's always been a grey area, and it's good that it's spelled out in black and white in the book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I would always assume that anyway. But yeah, like you say, having it in black and white, there's no arguing against that then. Yeah, exactly. One interesting difference here. Now, we've seen grand strategies in the core rule book, and these are the overarching achievements that you want to do during a battle. You pick yours as part of your army roster, so every game you will have the same grand strategy. I suppose that saves any decision-making at the beginning of games during a tournament. Yeah, exactly, and you've got to specialise your army to, to do that thing. Yeah, you build towards that, don't you? That's exactly, your list otherwise, building, yeah. otherwise a, a, a good tournament player will find it easier to change that on the fly, but if they're stuck with one thing, you can't you, you've got to specialise towards it in some way, which again, should mean some interesting lists as well yeah which is cool um so yeah so we get we get all those we then get the realm rules for gur and this is going to change things up massively so first of all gur is full of monsters so once per battle round you score an additional victory point if you slay an enemy monster so you could well go monster hunting to get some extra vp yeah which is really cool. So this is an all. This is so. This these rules apply to all the match play missions from this book. So they won't apply to your Path to Glory games unless a Path to Glory expansion comes out and the missions in there have the same rule. So again, it means there is a bit of variety there. The other universal special rule for these Gur missions is at the start of the third battle round, the player who goes second removes an objective from the table. Just outright removes it. Again, putting more bonus to the person going second, which is cool. That yeah, I mean, before we had that game the other day, I would say that's better than gaining an extra command point. But now I'm not so sure because actually command points are invaluable. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely something to think about. It's really cool. It's really cool. Um, in in the Gur games, every wizard on the table knows an extra spell, metamorphosis. It's got oh. casting value of five. In a range of 12, if successful, you pick a friendly hero and they gain the monster keyword, meaning they uh-huh. can use the monster abilities. That, and yeah, that, every that, wizard gets that. That's brilliant. Um, I was thinking you were going to say transformation of Kradam. <laughs> yeah, you bring a big dragon or something. So that is yeah. that is so good because, like you say, that ability where you roar, you can combo that to just have a, you know, a, a random throwaway hero shut down command abilities on an Do important you- unit. Do you know, actually, Matt, I, I, I didn't want to interrupt you, but you know when you mentioned about there was that once per battle round, if you kill a monster, you get an extra VP. In the back of my mind, I was thinking, well, some tournament players avoid taking monsters so they're not giving away any VP. But then you go and mention that ability, which I'm sure most people are going to take advantage of at some point. And I guess if you kill them in that round... Yeah, but they gain the monster. monster keyword, so they are a monster. Yeah, so you would gain an extra... So that's that's cool. I like that. Yeah, it's really, really cool. There's also a new universal command ability that you use at the start of the combat phase. 
the unit that receives it has to be a monster. They count their damage suffered as zero. So they use the top tier on their profile, and that's a new realm command that is used at the start of the combat phase. Adding another another command ability to your pot of things that you're going to have to conserve <laughs> your, uh, your, victory, your command points for. So that's all the new kind of realm rules. We also get two new core battalions that can be used within Gur. The first one is the Alpha Beast pack. You have to take minimum two monsters with an optional third monster. When you at the start of the game, each of those gets to move D6 inches. Yeah. So again, adding more things to to make it difficult to rather than just going, yeah, I'll go for the extra um, artifact. You also have another uh, unique core battalion that can be taken in any Gur mission. Hunters of the Heartlands, (laughs) which is two troops plus an optional troops. All units within that battalion cannot be picked when your opponent does a monstrous rampage because they're monster hunters and they're wary of them and they know how to shut them down. It's going to be so cool. So, yeah, it's just really thematic. So And, and this is thematic stuff within the match playbook. Imagine what all this kind of stuff for the, the Path to Glory stuff is going to be like. Yeah, yeah. that's really, really good. Uh, I'm just listening to our stuff and thinking, wow, Silver and F are going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, they really are. This is going to be really good. Now, we, we, we've talked about grand strategies and you have to pick it as part of your army list, but we're setting Gur, so it makes sense that we have some thematic ones. So we have an expanded list of grand strategies. Sever the head, uh, no heroes on the battlefield. Hold the line, you've got battle lines left on the on the battlefield. And Vendetta, kill your general but yours is alive, are the universal ones out of the core rulebook. Again, all of those are really fun. But we get some new ones as well. So, dominating presence, when the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy. If there's more units from your army on the battlefield than there is from your opponent's army. Okay. There's Beastmaster. You complete it if there's any monsters from your army on the battlefield. Prize Sorcery, you complete if there's any wizards on the battlefield. Pillars of Belief, same with Priests. And then Predators, Domain. You complete the grand strategy if you have more terrain features than your opponents. So lots of options there. And I honestly don't know what I'd pick as my grand strategy over a five-game tournament. Oh, you know, if I'm going, you know, Sons of Bayamat, I'll probably go for the Beastmaster one. And Jay, I guess a sensible one for you would be the Wizard one. Yeah. But for most armies, you're going to have to really think and kind of tailor your force around it. And again, like we said earlier, hopefully leading to a mixture of different armies that try and lean into those different things. And they yeah. worth, I think they're normally worth three victory points at the end of the game, so it can make all the difference. We also get Battle Tactics, and again... We, we get some that um, we've had in the core book, so Broken Ranks, pick a battle line unit uh, from your opponent's starting army, you complete it if they're dead. If they're destroyed by a monster, you get an additional victory point. You've got Conquer, pick an objective controlled by your opponent. If you control it at the end of your turn, you get that battle tactic. Slay the Warlord, self-explanatory. If a monster does it, you get an additional victory point. <laughs> Ferocious Advance... You pick three different units from your army. You complete the tactic if all three of them ran and they end their run within three inches of each other. And if all three units are monsters, you get another victory point. Mm-hmm. Bring it down to the new one. You pick an enemy monster. If you kill it, you get points. If a monster kills that monster, you get extra points. Mm-hmm. Uh, aggressive expansion. You pick two objective markers. You complete it if you control both of them. Monstrous takeover. You uh, pick a monster from your army. You complete it if the monster contests an objective marker that you control at the end of the turn. And that objective marker is not contested by an enemy monster. 
and then Savage Spearhead. If there's two or more units in your starting army, wholly within your opponent's territory at the end of the turn, you get it. If they're monster, you get an additional one. So each of those battle tactics, you pick one of them to do each turn. And in the punch-out card sheet, there's, there's tokens for all of them, so you can remember what you're doing. That's but you can, only try, you can only try each one once, and they're worth, I think they're worth two victory points in most games. So over the course of the game, you've got 10 victory points. And I kind of like this more than how it's done in 40k. And I imagine we probably will see some faction-specific ones, but you've got... There's enough of them, so all armies can do them, but you're going to have to really think about the order that you pick to do them in. Mm. And equally, say if... Say if it's my turn, I have a really good turn, uh, Dave, and you're, you're, you've got a, a Mega Gargan that's nearly dead. I might think, oh, hang on a second, I don't want to kill that this turn, because next turn I could then pick the battle tactics to kill a monster and take him down really easily. Oh, uh, yeah. Adding another dynamic to the, the tic-tacs of the game, so... I think that's really, really fun. Yeah, I like that. Um, I don't know if I prefer that over secondary objectives, but it's a, it's a close run thing. Yeah, so, yeah. And obviously, as I said, each year, that start part of the book will change as we go into different realms. So I, I think that's really cool. Now, there's no points for having a painted army like there is in 40k. However, a minimum requirement for playing a um, pitch battle game is that your army is battle ready. Battle ready is defined as a base coat, wash, and a highlight. Okay. Now, they do mention that contrast essentially washes and highlights for you. Right. So, painted in contrast is, is battle ready. So, uh, it's never really been an issue for us, but some, some people at some events, that, uh, there was, uh, whether it was invented or, or maybe it was used in Warhammer World at some point where you had to have three minimum colours, that, that isn't a thing. It's just battle line. So, essentially based and painted. To whatever standard, as long as you know you've got an element of highlighting shade on there. Yeah. I okay. I don't think that's outrageous to ask. And remember, this is at a tournament as well, where seeing the painted armies is part of the enjoyment, really, isn't it? Absolutely. And and one of the best things is getting an army ready for a tournament as well. Yeah, exactly. So the next section of the book is the new uh, the new battle plans. I'm not going to go through all these because there's twelve of them. But and there's a few different varieties and stuff. A lot of them are like the 40k ones where you'll get points for having one objective, points for having two objectives, points for having more objectives than your opponent. But then you've got all these battle tactics and stuff baked in. Uh, what's really nice is that you get a double page spread. One page has got the old style battle plan. And then the other page has got a big map with a little sidebar with the victory conditions. And because it's a spiral bound book, you have essentially there got the mission card as the book that you can lay next to the table. Ah, that's good. The way like they've that. designed it is so so good. And we get twelve of these, and there's you know there's some straightforward ones. There's some really fun ones. So there's one where basically over the course of the game, the objectives will start in the corner, then they'll go in six inches, and, and then three of them will disappear, and there'll just be one objective in the centre, forcing the armies to kind of come towards each other. Ah, that kind of reminds me of relocation orb in a kind of way as well. Yeah, there's one called Top of the Food Chain where you pick three units and they're the only ones who can score and your opponent does the same and you get bonus points for killing one of those chosen <laughs> units because, again, you're in go and these are, you know, your big aggressive monsters fighting each other. So there's some really, really fun stuff here. I, uh, I'm looking forward to playing them. And obviously, as the way the mission packs work, we'll be able to play these missions as part of our Path to Glory as well, which is really fun. Yeah. Whatever fits the canon narrative of how our Path to Glory is going, isn't it? 
Yeah, there's 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 some variations on old favourites as well. So there's one called Apex Predators, where like we did, and this is something we've seen a lot of these missions, where you will deploy in opposite quarters of the table. So if you imagine the game that we had, I deploy in one quarter, you deploy in the other quarter. The two quarters we haven't deployed in have a single objective marker in each of them, and only a leader can control it. Once a leader's got it, the only way to take it is to kill that leader with another leader. Oh, right, okay. So again, that that I think we're going to see a lot more aggressive leaders, monstrous leaders, big epic battles, rather than your characters hidden behind screens of troops. Yeah. And I think the new game system really plays that as well with the heroic actions and stuff as well. That you, you know, if you don't kill them, you're in a bit of danger because they can easily heal themselves up again in the hero phase. Mm. Yeah, so you yeah. want to throw your head, you throw your your hero forward because you want to be capturing those points early doors, really. Um, because if you don't, your opponent could pick off your leaders so that you can't then take the objectives. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, it's, I think we're going to see some really fun games. Like I said, there's 12 of these. Um, we're going to all of them. What I'm going to do is, this only arrived today, so hopefully tomorrow I'll have a write-up going into some more details on these on, on the website. But, yeah, really, really fun. The next section we get is an update of all the end of spells and a list of publications that are legal in match play games. So, currently, all the available Battle Tomes, Wrath of the Everchosen and the Four Broken Realms books are legal to use. Interestingly, it also mentions that Compendium, Monstrous Arcanum, excluding Warhammer Legends pitch battle profiles, are legal as well. Now, the question mark is, is that going to be a document on Forge World with, the, like we mentioned, the points for the Forge World stuff that isn't in this book? Or could they do an Imperial Armour, maybe? And bring out a book. The only thing that makes me not think that's going to be the case is that we haven't really got that many uh, Warhammer models left on the Forge World website. I I I hope they don't do that. I hope they don't release a book that you have to buy just for those handful of Forge World models. I c- they won't do that, surely, Matt. <laughs> Stranger things have happened, but no, I imagine this yeah. is a PDF. That to me, however, doesn't put a terribly long lifespan on the Forge World models having rules and points in the long no, run that's true so and you know with with the move to massive plastic kits the role of forge world has changed over the years as well hasn't it do you know i've been willing to buy a rogue idol for ages uh now i'm a bit nervous that's what i was thinking of when i when i read all that yeah. game was the rogue idol for you yeah I'm, so i really want to pick him up well, same with the, like the Gobber Squig and the, and, the, and the Giant Squig they do. There are a few, and obviously I've got all four of the Exalted Greater Demons. I've got a massive dragon. Uh, it would be a shame, but then there's still models that I've had the enjoyment of building and painting and the nice display pieces. I think Forge World nowadays is, is more so the specialist game stuff, isn't it? Yeah, your Necromunda Blood Bowl, Horus Heresy, arguably, the old world when that comes out, where I think... You're, I mean, I've, I've built um, Keeper of Secrets and a Great Unclean one recently, and the new plastic kits are bigger and more detailed than the Forge World ones that I had years ago. We said Indrasta could easily be a resin character, and it's a push-fit plastic kit. So I do think the kind of role of Forge World has been... A, at the time, it was the only way to do those massive models, wasn't it? Where it isn't really the case now. No. And, you know, you never know. You could see something like a Rogue Idol get turned to plastic and become a kit oh, oh man i hope so i hope so you know, i love that model 
all of the new Forge World Greater Demons are very much inspired by the resin ones, aren't they? And they're similar size, well, in some cases, bigger. So, yeah, it's a shame, but I, I do understand why. Hmm. So we got updates for all the Endless Spells. Obviously, Endless Spells have changed quite a bit. Um, one thing about Endless Spells that you need to bear in mind is that they don't block movement anymore. You can move through an Endless Spell without it affecting you. The rules only kicking in the hero phase when they start moving around. Uh, all of the war scrolls have been changed they've all got new pro, uh, points profiles a lot of them are a lot less dangerous than they used to be on accounts of that they're hitting people in both hero phases yeah so you, you're almost doing the same amount of damage in some cases yeah so some of those, the standout ones to me emerald life swarm uh it's it moves eight inches it can fly after it's moved the commanding player picks a unit within an inch they can heal d3 wounds or if no wounds are allocated, they can return a number of models equal to D3 wounds. So, like I said, with my Stormcast, having Emerald Life Swarm in there to get an additional model back on those units, I think it'll be a go-to choice for me. Um, stuff like the Burning Head is quite different now, where um, it flies around the battlefield. Once it gets within an inch of a unit, all the units within an inch of it on a 2 plus D3 model wounds, and then the Burning Head's removed from the game. Okay. Ravenax Nashing Jaws is one that you use, Dave. It yeah. moves 3d6 inches and nom 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 goes around. And, you know, obviously you can control it now. It's not uh, wild. Uh, once it's moved over a unit, it do, you roll a number of dice equal to the move characteristic that you rolled for it. And for each six, it does a mortal wound. So a lot of them are quite different to how they used to be. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. Like the Purple Sun can potentially have the highest mortal wound output. But at the end of the hero phase, on a 5+, plus, it becomes wild and then <laughs> just goes back and forth between both players. So they've kind of balanced the powerful ones by making them risky, which is an, a nice... I think previously the spells were too risky to be reliable, where at least now with those ones, there is a chance that you can keep it under control for at least part of the battlefield. Yeah. It makes that Stormcast unit that can um, block the path of endless spells quite interesting. Yes. Economy, yeah. Absolutely does. Uh, I'll also give a quick shout-out to the Quicksilver Swords. When it moves over a unit, you roll two, 12 dice. Each six does a mortal wound. Ward saves cannot be taken. Hmm. Hmm. Here we go. Here's where we start with uh, the old... Uh, you can have an invulnerable save, and here's a bunch of stuff that gets rid of an invulnerable save. Now you can have a save that works against stuff that gets rid of an invulnerable save. Yeah, so currently that's the only thing in the book that does it, but it does do it, so yeah. Um, so yeah, that's cool. And then the remainder of the book is a full reprint of the core rules from the main rule book. To the point of, if you're not playing, um, if you're not Explorer. playing uh, Path to Glory or open play, and you're not interested in the lore, you could just buy this book. On the very back page of the book, you get a full rules reference showing all the command abilities, what phase they can be used in, plus all the new spells and all the new prayers on the back page of the book. So you can just leave it on the back table and have all those to hand. In a better format than the, the, we had some little cheat sheets, Dave, doing the same. This yeah. is a much neater format. So, yeah, highly recommend this. I imagine the Path to Glory thing will do the same. Uh, just obviously sub out the the, um, the the match play rules for the Path to Glory rules. All your battalions and everything comes in here, which is something that was omitted in the 40k one. So it is literally the full the full rules apart from uh, Path to Glory and open play. So for 20-something pounds, this uh, if you're doing tournaments, you're going to want it anyway. But even for pickup games, this is going to be so handy to have like on the table when we're playing. Yeah. 
yeah, sounds like it. I'll definitely be picking one up. So yeah, so like I say, I've I've only got this today. I managed to to read through it a couple of hours before the the, the podcast. Um, I will be having a deep dive into it tonight, and then hopefully getting a review up and a bit of a a video um over the next couple of days. Excellent. So keep an eye on spruceandbrews.com. Uh, all our social media channels. As soon as Matt's got that finished, he'll be posting it on on the Tinterwebs uh, and all over our social media. So you'll be able to check that out as soon as it goes up. Thanks very much for that read through, Matt. Very much appreciated. And we have got a couple of segments left on this week's show. Next up, it's a top three, so we'll be right back. So for this week's top three, we're yet again keeping it Age of Sigmar. Now that we've had a game, and and Jay, you got to um, observe the game between me and Matt, there are lots of units we're really excited to try out in this third edition with all these heroic actions, monstrous actions and such. So we've decided to pick out our three that we're most looking forward to using. I'm going to start us off this week, and my third choice is a unit I'm very much looking forward to unleashing hell with. In fact, probably even the whole army, and that is the Caradron Ironclad. Ooh. Am I, am I, that's going to put you off charging anywhere near that, isn't it? <laughs> is it a monster, Dave? Uh, it is not a monster. Oh, that's a shame. Which I did check that before um, recording. It's not a monster, but yeah, if you charge a unit that's within nine inches of that thing, I mean, you might just want to hit, um, so that hurts it a little bit, but still, that's a lot of firepower. Yeah. Well, that's what you expect from a big battleship. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's uh, cool yeah. as well, isn't it, thematically, isn't it? This big ship like hovering behind, supporting your guys in front of it. Yeah. yeah, and it, it might tempt people to, because I know gun holders sometimes don't get used very much. Um, you might be more tempted to take one of those now yeah. for the ability to Overwatch. So yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, Jay, what is your third choice? Uh, my third choice is um, a, a unit, a model I painted up a few years back. Um, one of my favourite models I've ever painted. Uh, I love using it um, until now. She's been a bit of a liability, uh, but I think in the new rules, she's going to be solid, and that's Alariel. Oh, Alariel in the new rules is going to be mental, isn't she? I think uh, so. So she, she, she get, she's got the hero keyword, and she's got the monster keyword. So she's got the bo- best, boast of best worlds, best of both worlds. Um, she also heals like there's no tomorrow. So she has a base 2d6 heal in, the, in her hero phase. Um, couple that with heroic uh, recovery. That's two d six plus d three heals in um, every other hero phase. Um, she's got access to spells like regrowth, which lets her heal another d six wounds. Um, and then um, in certain glades, gnarl root, whenever uh, the the uh, a nearby general casts a spell, they can heal another sylvanef unit for d three wounds. So you, I think you're getting something like three d six and three d three. Heals there in each hero phase, potentially, or each other and, hero phase. And in the opponent's hero phase, you can use heroic recovery as well for another D3. Yeah. Um, before now, uh, Wardroth Beetle has had amazing stats, you know, on paper. You think, oh, five flat damage, Ren minus two, but it never hit. It only got bonuses against units that were bigger than 10 models, or I think it was 10 models. Um, and it, it was like fours to hit, so half your attacks never got through. But that's been buffed. Uh, Wardroth Beetle now is hitting on threes, wounded on twos. Use your finest hour. It's now hitting on twos, wounded on twos. Um, she's got a three plus save anyway. All out defense, two plus save. I just think Alariel has had some really, really cool buffs in the new edition. 
Yeah, she's going to be absolutely mental. I thought she'd be your top choice, actually, Jay. So I'm interested to see who you're picking, you know, above her in this list. Uh, Matt, what is your third choice? So it's no secret that I like big stompy models. And what's bigger than stompy than an army of, of giants? And, you know, I've made do. I've made do during the last year with having to take, you know, vanilla Man Crusher Gargans as my battle line. But ho, 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 in the General's Handbook 2021, every Mega Gargan has been given the battle line uh, battlefield role, which means you can have an entire army of just Mega Gargans. Or perhaps, why not, a pair of Mega Gargans and Kragnos mm. as a super elite stompy army. It wow. gives you so much more customizability for the way you build your armies. What they've also done as well is they've, they've, they've changed how it works. So you've got the three Mega Gargans who are battle line, brilliant. You can take a single Man Crusher as a unit, or you can buy a unit of three Man Crushers as a unit. So you've got a lot more kind of options there to work with. You can't reinforce any of them, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be cool being able to use four Mega Gargants as your army. Yeah. So excited for that. Absolutely. And it's good because they're, they're quite a recent release as well. And that home is in gear. So, of course, they should be buffed. Absolutely. I'm, I'm kind uh, of thinking to do a Path to Glory, but it, <laughs> it's going to be one model for a long time, that yeah. Path to Glory, isn't it? It is. Um, round to our second choice is my second choice. It's a unit that sometimes gets overlooked in the Stormcast Army, but I really like the model, um, and I've used it in the past, and I will definitely be using him again, and that is a Star Drake. So he's also a, a hero and a monster. Okay, he's not at a L'Oreal level. He's not going to be healing himself 2d6 every turn. However, um, I think he's going to be putting out a lot more damage, which I think he should always be able to do. He should always be able to do quite a lot of damage. He shouldn't be getting bogged down um, in combat quite so much. Um, I could see some really interesting combos in making him like a caster using various um, rules from... Um, what is it that makes him a caster? It's a relic, isn't it? Arcane Tomb. Yeah. Um, would turn him into to, to a caster and he'd be plus one to cast because that's built onto his war scroll at the moment anyway, unless that changes. Um, yeah, I can't wait to use my star, my star Drake again. My Drake Swan Templar. It's, it's going to be so cool. Uh, Jay, what is your second choice? Well, this is a unit that I love the models, but I've never used them because people use them in daft numbers. And I think you either have to take them in daft numbers or you, you take a unit of 10 and they don't really do much at all. So they're a bit weird. Um, I'm talking about the Lumineff Sentinels. I can definitely see a place now for a unit of 20 Luminef Sentinels in everyone's army. Maybe two units of um, Luminef Sentinels. They're only 150 points. Um, they've got amazing range capability. And with the Unleash Hell um, command um, ability, I think they're going to be a really solid anchor to anyone's um, like line, really. Um, I was going to paint up 40 um luminef wardens and have uh 40 luminef wardens and then something else to fill in the battle line but i'm now thinking two units of sentinels with a unit of 20 wardens might be a good solid battle line for a luminef army yeah yeah uh, so I... i'm really i'm really happy with um the the changes to third how they've sort of made smaller units of sentinels a bit more appealing i mean i guess smaller units of anything really works well like you know yeah. the little five-man squads of stormcast did surprisingly well to the point where I'm thinking, do I need to make them into 10-man squads or am I better off with multiple small units in third edition? 
I think there's definitely a case in this edition that um, horde armies, you know, are going to be toned down. I mean, it, it makes it makes me question, like, you know, do I go for that big forty blob of Skaven rats now, or do I have multiple smaller units instead? Um, the only thing know. you have to watch out for, I think, Dave, is that some battle line can give up victory points if so a, a small unit of Skaven aren't going to last very long and maybe will forfeit you some victory points to the opponent yeah same as zombies i wouldn't really take zombies in 20s just because they'll die so quickly i think they'll still want to be 40 but you don't need to go the full 60 which you know you'll be able to do with Skaven as well uh dave yeah you take 60 man blobs uh, i suppose you've also got to look at your reinforcement points as well it'd be very easy to to soak up with your hold armies to soak up those reinforcement points so Remember um, Rally, Dave, for your big horde. Rally. Yeah, that, that'd be yeah, handy. For that works well yeah. for, for horde. You leave one rat alive and then you use Rally and you get like half the unit value. Exactly, yeah. Odds are you're not getting half back, but, you know, could roll a lot of sixes. Um, Matt, what is your second choice? So, the Lord of the End Times, the ever-chosen Archeon. He's, he's always been a really good model, but now he can heal with his finest hour, Slayer of Kings is hitting on twos, wounding on twos. He's also a monster, so he can shut down people's command abilities. Archeon was good. I think he's going to be even better than he always been. Obviously, in his bespoke list, um, his Varangard are going to be worth two models each as well for the purposes of objectives. And Varangard aren't slouches in combat either, especially when you throw some of the cool command abilities on them as well. Yeah, I uh, he's, he's gone up, I think, 30 points off the top of my head. He's now 830 points, which is expensive, but he is very, very good. Um, obviously, you can put a 2-plus save on him as well with another command ability. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i looking forward to trying out. I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to trying out all these armies, but uh, I've got a soft spot for the Archeon yeah. list that I've, I've had quite a few games with. I think that's probably my, my go-to. If I had to go to a tournament tomorrow, I'd bring uh, Archeon and the Varangard, wouldn't I? <laughs> it's funny, Matt, that your second choice, and that, that I would follow with my top choice, because my top choice is the old nemesis of Archeon. It's my <laughs> mega boss on Moor Crusher. Um, for pretty much everything that you just said, so... Um, he can heal himself, which is fantastic. What makes it even better with, with the fact that he can heal himself is as he kills models, he gains wounds and attacks. So, you know, if you're healing back some of those wounds as well, that's amazing. Um, the the, the um, gaining command, you know, pretends to gaining command points using mighty destroyers. Uh, although you can only use that once per turn now based on the new um, command ability uses. So, that's kind of tempting me to look at different ways of building him. I know somebody said online, instead of maybe giving him the command trait where he gets to use mighty destroyers every turn for free, um, maybe look at making him a bit more tanky, you know, giving him a permanent two plus save, um, making him a caster, you know, that, that's that's crazy. Um, that's really cool. Um, I'm really looking forward to, to using him, especially in a big war with some of the cruel boys mixed in as well. Um Really excited to play Oryx. Uh, Jay, what is your top choice? Well, in the uh, new General's Handbook, you know, everyone was all excited about the points changes, endless spell changes. There was a nice little surprise for Luminef players in the Luminef section. And that is the Law Seeker is now no longer unique, which opens up 
a door a world of possibilities for combinations of command traits and artifacts um so the law seeker is the um, quite expensive um leader unit which allows you to deploy him he has a rule that allows you to deploy him on a objective in no man's land um, three inches away from the um opponent uh, and whilst he's uh, in range of that objective uh, he claims it regardless of any other rules that however many enemy models are nearby he has that objective you have to kill him to get that objective now he has quite a nice melee profile he has a three plus save um but the fact that you can now put artifacts and traits on him so for example there's a the blade of leaping gold in the um lumineth uh, battle tome which adds three to the number of attacks he makes with his melee weapon um and then you can use the spell because this guy's a wizard the flaming weapon spell to add one to the damage that that melee weapon does you've got yourself a really solid combat caster who can do a potential 28 damage in one turn with those attacks he has access to uh, your finest hour you know to make those attacks uh, uh let them hit and wound a bit easier um but then the, there's other things as well there's there's really cool artifacts and command traits um such as the um uh, I can't remember what the great nation is now, but basically when he dies, he comes back to life on a four plus with full wounds. So you think you've got him off the objective. You think you've killed him. There's a 50, 50 chance. He just stands back up again at the end of the combat phase. And he's still got that objective. Hmm. Um, so I'm really excited to use a, uh, I, he's not going to be in my path to glory initially. Uh, he's, or it's a, she actually, I've converted mine to be a, a, a female. She's going to find a way to my fortress some point during the campaign in the search of some, um, a relic or artifact or treasure uh, and then i can't wait to use them on the battlefield excellent excellent stuff uh matt do you want to finish us off with your top choice so my final one's a strange one i did i did have a a, a honorable mention from marathi until i realized marathi can never heal because i thought no. oh, there's some shenanigans for uh invincible marathi but it looks like they've preempted that with the rule <laughs> that she can never heal wounds which is a shame so i've gone for the next best thing to marathi and that is a uh, a big old horde of zombies hmm. now zombies arguably i think were one of the best units in the soul black grave lords book on paper they don't do anything but when you've got a big blob of 60 of them rolling a load of dice they're only on one inch bases so you can easily get two ranks in and essentially you're just fishing for sixes try and get those mortal wounds off but you can't guarantee on as we said you know in in the battle we had the other day but you know they're going to be really hard to shift on objectives when there's when there's match play stuff focused around killing your enemy's battle line units you're going to have to focus a lot of firepower on dealing with these zombies i mean you your entire uruk army had to grind down these zombies to get to nagash that was hiding behind them yeah, there was no way I was just going to send a unit. I had to wait until all my sort of chess piece chess pieces were in place so that I could charge them with the yard boys. I could charge them with the mega boss. I could charge them with the brutes to make sure I brought them down. Yeah, and where, where they were good in in second, in third, they've got a few new tricks as well. So you can give them a save. They can have a save now by increasing <laughs> their save characteristic. Um, they also have the ability to regenerate in the hero phase um, by using rally, which again, if you got lucky, could suddenly overwhelm your opponent with a load more zombies. What I think will catch people out though and be a really sneaky tactic, they've got a six-inch pile in. So what you do is react when somebody moves using redeploy to move them within six inches of another unit, and then pile in. 
avoiding the consequences of um, Unleash Hell. So all I need yeah. to do is get them within six inches of those Sentinels that you mentioned earlier, Jay. And as they pile in in the combat phase, you don't get to use Unleash Hell because they haven't charged. Oh, I'll just have to make yeah. sure there's some spear elves in front of them. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. So, um, and also one thing that we missed initially in our review, and uh, and we kind of picked up on it um, the other day, is that for piling, you no longer have to pile in towards the closest model. You you have to end no further away from the closest unit. So now you can pile around behind things. You could potentially tag a unit that's hiding behind the screen if you've got a long piling. Yeah, I think... Things that increase piling, I think once people have had some games, there'll be all sorts of shenanigans you can do with it. That's a really good change. It always, it always annoyed me that when you went into base-to-base contact with somebody in, in Age of Sigmar, that you kind of stuck against their, their base. You, know, you couldn't move from there because you, your bases always had to be touching. It makes sense for it to be piling in towards a unit instead. Yeah, and that means you can now lap around things as well easier. Yeah, absolutely. That's our top three choices. There is one more segment left on this podcast. It is the Community Top 3 Picks, and that's coming up next. So it is time for the Community Top 3 Picks. And our apologies, um, because we were having so much fun playing Warhammer, um, we did uh, only recently put the sort of tweet and Facebook message out. But that hasn't stopped a few of you from replying. So over on Facebook, Dan Topping says, Honestly... Without wanting to break your format, spoiler alert, he does, I'm excited to play every single one. So I guess the models I'm most excited to play with are, third choice, the next model I build and paint, followed by, second choice, the model I paint after that, and finally, at number one, the next model I paint after that. So uh, that, that is cheating slightly, Dan. Uh, what do we have over on Twitter, Matt? Uh, well, I, I was going to say, I've, I, I've seen the next model that Dan's building and painting, and he's a big boy. Oh, is he? What's he building? Kragnos. Ah, oh, of course he is. Very nice. Yeah. Well, over on uh, Twitter, G Ambulance Service says the Infernal Guard Fireglaives, the Ball Centaur Turak, and the Iron Demon War Engine. Obviously, this is based upon the imminent Legion of Asgore Battle Tome that's out soon! Exclamation <laughs> mark. I, uh, I that while, while it's sad that it looks like the, there's not much in the way of Forge World support in this book. The fact that Chaos Dwarves have been name-checked in the in the new stuff makes me so excited for a Chaos Dwarf army. And this isn't just like a, a casual, like little sneaky bit of lore. It's full blown in your face. Like, yeah, they may as well have the page light up and have like a little <laughs> alarm that goes off that says Chaos Dwarves, they be coming. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Uh, what is next week's top three map? So, obviously, we've got the big announcement on Warhammer Plus coming on Wednesday. But we want to know the top three things you'd like to see come to Warhammer Plus. You can get your choices in early via our social media channels at Sprues and Brews on Twitter or Facebook.com forward slash Sprues and Brews. We will be putting a tweet out and a Facebook message out uh, a day or so before the next podcast as well. So you can always reply to that uh, and get your um, top threes in. Guys, it's been another fantastic episode, very Age of Sigma related. We might have a, hopefully we'll have a little bit of 40k next week if we, uh, if if Games Workshop puts some new stuff out on uh, on the old website um, that we can chat about. We'll just have to wait and see. Um, but we hope you've enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll be back again next week. Have a great week of hobby. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruesandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruesandbrews or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruesandbrews. Brews.